Hello, my name is Kyle Leon Henderson. And I'm Father Ian Elliot Davis, Canon of the Diocese of Los Angeles, Dean of the Incarnation Deanery, and Rector of St. Thomas the Apostle Hollywood. But you can call me Father Davis or Canon Davis. Welcome to Theologically Speaking. Hello, I'm Kyle Leon Henderson, and I'm here again with Father Ian Elliott Davis. Hello. Hello. Good to see you. Great to see you. Um, We are in the third episode of Theologically Speaking, and I hope everyone has been enjoying listening to the episodes. Uh, We've been having a ball recording them. Uh, And today we're going to talk about the different types of theology. Different types of theology, and there are many. There are as many different types of theology as there are people in the world, almost. Systematic theology, modern theology, postmodern theology, biblical theology, historical theology. The study of Christ, which is called Christology. The study of the church, which is called ecclesiology. The study of the last things, that is called eschatology. There's philosophical theology, mystical theology, Trinitarian theology, Questions about existence, being, time. There's feminist theology, issues of gender, sexuality, Anglo-American theology, apophatic theology, cataphatic theology, process theology. Those are just the first few that I noticed. Just the first few. Those are the first few. (laughs) Well, we're not going to be able to talk about all those today, for sure. Um... So where do we begin? Like, how do you know what... I mean, right. yeah, where do you begin with all what that? What is theology to yeah. start off with, um, I suppose, is probably a, as good a place to start as any. Um, uh, I think I mentioned in one of the episodes, it's the grammar, the language, mm-hmm. the uh, the common parlance that we use to talk about God and the divine and anything to do with God and the divine and the heavenly region, uh, the eternal, uh, infinite uh, mind of God, anything to do with that is is considered theological. Theology used to be called the Regina Scientia, the queen of the sciences, because it mm. was understood that every subject, in fact, could be summed up neatly and precisely in the study of theology, if one could grasp what theology actually meant. And there's probably still people on this earth today who believe that. that Right. Well, I do, to a certain extent. comes and goes from the Bible, and if it's not found in the Bible, it is not real. Well, uh, there is a truth to to that, but Mm -hmm. there's also, as usual, while there's a truth to it, there's also something misleading about that. And Mm -hmm. it's important to try and distinguish between the different layers and levels of theology. So in an effort to understand the concept of it all, Mm -hmm. does the church that we go to and churches of other denominations... Do they use specific types of theology, or is all of that wrapped into what we do as Christians? Um, different 
types of Christians have different types of theology. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely certain. And there, are, there's Jewish theology, there's Islamic theology, there's mm-hmm. theology according to other world religions as well. Um, so it's a it's a multi um, multi headed task trying to understand what it is. But for us as Christians, yes, it centers on the cross, on Christ, on the being of God, the nature of God, the nature of humanity, mm-hmm. and the Trinity, I'd say. Those are all fairly basic kind of starting points for us to think about mm-hmm. if we're going to talk about systematic theology. Now, systematic theology... <laughs> it sounds a bit like the uh, air conditioning system in your house, mm-hmm. systematic. Um, in fact, all it means is it's a thought through and um, uh, uh, a kind of a defined um, way of looking at uh, theology. The other word that isn't used so much today for systematic is dogmatic. I was just about to ask you, just, you if dogma you is see, systematic theology. Your, your street's ahead of me already. I was, I'm sure, I was like, that sounds like a dogma. <laughs> so, like, just like, so now, but there. You see, dogma and dogmatic theology doesn't mean somebody who's got a closed mind. Mm-hmm. Dogmatic in the old days meant of glory. So dogmatic theology was the study of God as related to the glory of God. Mm -hmm. Doctrine and dogmatic are from the same root. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, and I I do have an understanding of dogma. Right. But let's dive into that for like 30 seconds. Sure. Dogma is from the Greek word doxa, which means glory. Mm -hmm. So it's the, the... Dogmatic theology is is the theology that's to do with the glory that is revealed, mm-hmm. the revelation of God. Um, and when we think in modern terms of a dogma, it's got a negative cota- connotation. It, very negative connotation. Mm-hmm. And should it have a negative connotation? It shouldn't. It really shouldn't. And, and that's partly the fault of the late 20th century in the post-Enlightenment mm-hmm. era. But um, dogmatic really... We should, Wittgenstein used to say, if a word got sort of all muddied and dirtied by too much overuse, then it should be taken out of uh, common usage and sent for a good old dry cleaning. (laughs) And dogmatic is one of those words. That's one of the words. We should take it out of common usage at the moment give it a good old dry cleaning and then reintroduce it and it'll be spick and span. I think the the modern connotation of dogma is that you will do it because your religion says you'll do it. And that's it. Right. And that that leads to things like suicide bombings from other other religions. That's where people think when they say, oh, that's Mm. just a dogma. They have to do, they have to do something terrible because the religion dictates it and that's not and that just right. like you said it's muddy and it's mm-hmm. dirty and it's it's mm-hmm. so like it's not even accurate to the point where no it's not even the right word right we use yeah. it as the wrong word and then dogma becomes a yeah. dirty word well it's like the word want in the 17th century want mm-hmm. used to mean uh to be lacking something mm-hmm. um if i was in want of a hat it meant that I was lacking a hat. I needed a hat. 
And today we say, I want something, meaning mm -hmm. I desire something, yeah. which is quite a different uh, connotation indeed. What else is on your list? Oh, well, um, I thought that we could perhaps just explore what some of the definitions of these uh, are. Biblical theology, obviously, I hope people would realize, is to do with the Christian scriptures, the Old and the New Testament mm -hmm. as we have them or the Hebrew Bible in the New Testament, as, mm -hmm. as our Jewish brothers and sisters would have it. Um, that's biblical theology. Mm -hmm. Historical theology is the study of theology through history. Ecclesiastical is the posh word for church. So ecclesiastical history is church history, and historical theology is understanding how previous generations have understood God and the mysteries of God, which kind of leads us into mystical theology, which is the whole kind of having visions, um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit speaking mm -hmm. in tongues, those kinds of unusual occurrences that we don't encounter every day at Ralph's, for instance. Right. And how much validity is there in speaking tongues in the modern world. Because I believe that God showed up mm -hmm. in people's lives, in the history of mm. the church, and he did lead people to speak in tongues. Right. If people claim to speak in tongues today, it's, are they lying? Oh, I don't think they're lying, no. I, I think I would never say that somebody is is deliberately deceiving mm -hmm. um, because I think that the way the Holy Spirit moves in people's hearts and in emotion can lead people to ecstatic utterance. Now, personally, I that's not my tradition. That's mm -hmm. not where I would go to. Um, that's not my kind of cup of tea, if you like. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but I would never condemn that. And I do want to apologize to anyone listening for the way that I presented that question. Are they lying? Because I, I was brought up in a religion where oh. I was taught that that's just like that or snake handling or this or that, mm. you know, it was just too much, not, not correct. And I've come a long way from there. So I want right. to make sure that I, <laughs> that I, you know, but, but I did just spend, a month in Alabama, so I guess some of it, you know, grew well, back. But the, I would—I don't want anybody to think that I'm would be disrespectful, and I no, hope that, no, that wasn't. No, I know you, mm -hmm. and I know you would never disrespect anyone's faith uh, or their their strongly held convictions. Mm -hmm. I know that you're a good person. Indeed. I try. You, I really try. But this year's tried us. This year's tried us all. <laughs> well, yes, yes, but you're very trying. I, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> At the feet of the at the feet of the priest, I will I will sit. <laughs> Keep going. Oh dear. Um. So yeah. Uh. How much with with ecclesiastical history and mm -hmm. histor or ecclesiastical theology and the history, historical theology. How important is it to keep doing what we've always done because we've always done it? Well, ah, now that's framing the question in a way that is interesting because I would say theology is about discovering and finding new things and uh, discovering new elements to the revelation, new 
uh, insights that God offers in each generation. That's one of the great um, pluses of the charismatic movement, I think. That what would that? What does that mean? The, the charismatic the God's, movement. Well, that God speaks afresh and anew in each and every generation, mm. and it's not. The Bible is not just a truth once delivered and is unchanging, but the Bible is a big, baggy elephant of a book mm-hmm. that there is more and more to discover. You know, it's the, the famous story about in a dark room and you have an elephant and you have five different people and one person's feeling the trunk and one person's feeling the tail. Oh, yeah. One person's feeling the front foot and one person's feeling the belly and they each would say that the elephant is is like this oh, and only yeah. like this. Well, in fact, the reality is it's much, much bigger mm-hmm. than, than any one person or any group of people are able to describe. And that's the same with God. And that's the same with theology. God is always going to be far, far greater than our ability to sum up uh, the divine. So what else? Is, what else? What's the next one? <laughs> what's the next one? What's the next oh, one? Oh, I'm gonna... apophatic and cataphatic. Ooh, those uh, are words that I've never heard. So you've never. Oh, okay. apophatic and cataphatic. Apophatic and cataphatic. Oh, cataphatic. Cataphatic. Gotcha. So apophatic. Well, let's start with cataphatic because okay. that's easier. Cataphatic is positive theology. That's theology that affirms, that says God is light, God is truth, God is infinite. So that really, really speaks to me mm-hmm. because I had a, I have a coworker or a former coworker who I invited her to my New Year's Eve party because I always have a New Year's Eve party every year because I always say I want to have friends over with some champagne, maybe some beer or wine or, you know, just some spirits to, you know, get get happy and, and sort of reminisce on the year and talk about what we've learned and then just be in a positive space to start the new year. And she said, not everything always has to be positive. And I said, mm. for me, really, that is where it lies. The aff- affirmative and the affirmational oh. and the, the light. And we're always, I'm always seeking the light. So that really speaks to me. Is there a space in, say, our church, St. Thomas the Apostle? Is there a space where I can lean into the cataphatic Mm -hmm. theology, whereas others might not so much? Yes, um, definitely. Most Western theology that is in in this part of the so-called civilized Mm -hmm. world, the, the, uh, the developed world, Um, Most theology is cataphatic theology. Mm -hmm. It's affirming. But there is also the via negativa, apophatic theology, which is negative theology. The via negativa is the... The negative way. Via the opposite way. Yeah, yeah, well... No? It's not exactly the opposite. It's... it's, Let me say this. It's, It's different. The via negativa is saying God is immortal. Mm -hmm. God is omnipresent, omnipotent. Uh, Actually, I may have got that slightly wrong. Um, But it's 
not defining God, but saying that God is beyond our categories mm-hmm. and our definitions and our ability to sum up the divine. I think everybody's done this thing that I know that I did, where you sit in church and you hear the preacher, whomever, get delivering the sermon, and then you start to think about God has always been there. And God will always be there. And then you will freak yourself out trying to wrap your mind around it until the point where you just got to... There is no beginning to God. You can't, because, you can't fathom it. Right. You just cannot right. fathom that. Because we are so... We're tied. finite. We're finite. So. We're tied to time and space. I mean, people talk about free will as if... Um, Free will means that we can do anything we want to. Well, we can't do anything we want Mm -hmm. to. I can't suddenly change into a rhinoceros, even if I want to. (laughs) I can't be a rhinoceros. Halloween is coming. (laughs) Halloween is coming. And I'd look good in a rhinoceros costume. I'm sure I would. Um, But no matter how much I want something or how much I desire, it's not going to make something happen and yeah. um, people think that free will is is the ability to just do anything they want to well it's free will doesn't quite work like that and yeah. god's will is not bounded in the way that our will is bounded we are bounded by time and space so we're limited mm-hmm. and we are finite we are uh, creatures who live for a set period of time here mm-hmm. or i guess our earth. understanding of who we are is finite at right. this point right that i will say well. because yes. you know we're christian we hope to go to heaven and we hope to have that you know to be one with god at one point mm-hmm. at some point in lo- in our afterlife yes um well, one of the great saints of the church saint augustine said that our hearts come from god and that our hearts are restless until they find their rest, their true home, mm. back in the heart of God. And that's the tradition of the ancient philosophers as well. Mm-hmm. That being, and I mean being with a capital B, not being with a small b, but being is where we are all from and where we will all return to eventually as well. Mm-hmm. And so apophatic theology... Would that be sort of the fi- what we what I know growing up as the fire and brimstone theology mm, of mm, hell is imminent. This is what's happening if no. you don't come to Jesus. No, or? no, the apophatic theology, uh, uh, pseudo Dionysius, um, in the early centuries of the Christian era, mm-hmm. he was one of the great um, writers. Uh, uh, St. Paul, when he was preaching at Athens, at the Areopagus, uh, converted uh, one of the individuals there, Dionysius, and pseudo-Dionysius, in some of his writings, claims to be that individual. Mm -hmm. But that's more a literary form. That's not necessarily the case. It's not... um, Meaning that there are are writings that claim to be from Dionysius, right. but they are just in the style of Dionysius, not exactly. from his own exactly. pen. Exactly, exactly. Gotcha. That's, that's exactly uh, it. And his writings are the ones that are uh, most influential in apophatic theology, and he talks about the divine names in terms of cataphatic theology, but also he talks about 
the way that God is not known and God can only be known by unknowing. Mm. God can only be reached by not reaching out to him. Um, I'm trying to wrap my head around that concept. Right. Well, is that, or is that just something that I shouldn't try to do at a table within 10 minutes? Uh, it's, <laughs> it's not something that can be achieved at any table mm-hmm. in 10 minutes. No, that's quite Is right. that the stillness? Yes. Or is that not? Well, it, there's the whole Christian um, make us slaves so that we can be free. Mm. Make us poor that we can be rich. Make me, um, I will become the, the least of all. I will become the servant of all in order to be great. But of course, it turns all of the definitions upside down and inside out and back to front, mm-hmm. uh, which is one of the, the beauties of, of Christian theology. And would you say, I guess just to kind of wrap up, just to kind of wrap up the mm-hmm. cataphatic and apophatic mm-hmm. theologies. We spoke in one of our last episodes about the middle way. What is, what is the Latin term for the middle way? Via media. The via media. Is there a via media to be had between cataphatic and apophatic, or is it not a, it's not a concept that they go together? They... They are related, uh, but they're related in a very unusual way. Uh, and I, I, I am astonished that in the space of just two or three episodes, we have got onto the, <laughs> the nexus between apophatic and cataphatic theology. That's just... That's incredible. Wow. That's what happens when you get a curious Christian right. together with a man who is begging someone to show up and ask him these questions. <laughs> uh, well, um, I again, I'm stumped. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, that's the thing. I'd realized that this episode, I think, is going to be for the listeners to hear where we could go, mm-hmm. what we could do. Yes. Like we're going to, I mean, this, yeah. everything we talk about today will probably have its own episode at some point. Yeah. yeah. And I hope that people are just like on fire to figure it out and mm-hmm. know more as I am because it's I can't exciting. Wait. I, you mm-hmm. know, theology is what lights my candle, what keeps, it's what keeps me going. In the South, we'd say that's what blows my skirt up. Blows. <laughs> Like Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, dear. that's the subway. That's the A train. Right. Uh, <laughs> for all the New Yorkers. Oh, right. Um, so what? So there's... What other theologies are on this list? Because uh, I think we're going to have to just put a pin in apophatic and cataphatic for just a, for a moment. Sure. We'll the, come back to it. There's philosophical theology as well, which mm-hmm. is an area that I'm interested in. I had a... A professor when I was uh, a young priest called D.Z. Phillips, or D.Z. Phillips, we'd say here in the United States. Mm-hmm. He held the Danforth chair out at Claremont Graduate University, oh, but wow. also held the chair at Swansea University in mm-hmm. Wales. So six months in the United States, six months in Wales. And D.Z. Phillips was a great friend and a philosopher. And he studied under a man called Rush Rees who was a friend of Ludwig Wittgenstein, 
Oh, Ludwig Wittgenstein. Uh, Wittgenstein, one uh, of my great He and heroes. I are going to be good friends by the end of this podcast. Uh, he'd like you, it? that's for sure. <laughs> he liked Southerners and oh. cowboys and and that kind of thing. Oh, I can pull it off here because no one knows the truth. I'm not a cowboy. Oh, you're not a cowboy? <laughs> not at all. Oh, you I've sound never, like even a... ri- never even ridden a horse. <laughs> Do they have cowboys in the South? Not a whole lot because we don't really have ranches. Right. Not really any kind of big... We have farms. So there's people who have horses. There's people who have... You know, my family has a farm. So they raise koi fish. Koi carp. Well, like the big goldfish. (laughs) I'm too shy. I'm too shy. I'm a koi carp. And people are like, like in a Japanese pond. And I said, or a, you know, like a, you know, the garden pond. I said, well, you put them in the lake... And they eat the gook off the bottom Ooh. so that the cows and the horses that go into the pond or whatever will have clean drinking water. Oh, right. So. Well, that's, that's good. It's good for the ecosystem. But, you know. Um, so is there... what? Sorry. With, yes. <laughs> I know. We, this is... Eschatology. Eschatology. That's the last things. That's the theology of the last things. So... So that actually means eschatology means the theology of the last things. Well, eschaton is the end of the age. Eschaton is end of age. So that so eschatology probably reads Revelations real hard. Yes, so, Revelations and Daniel, the book of the. I guess Revelation. Daniel. We always say Revelations, but it's Revelation, right? It, uh, it's <laughs> the book of. It's it's the oh let me see, the technical term in the Greek New Testament is. The book of the revelation to St. John the Divine. Mm-hmm. That's how it's... It is singular, revelation, revelation. to St. John the Divine. Mm-hmm. But we yes, we do say revelations as well. Mm-hmm. The Bible begins with Genesis and ends with revelations. Mm-hmm. And so that's... I mean, is that Adam just and Eve. all the es- eschatology is all exploring... The last things. The what, last things will. What will happen in the last days, and that's become a very popular kind of amateur study for Would some. Would you people. say that that sort of kind of gets muddied into philosophical uh, theology, because you have because I mean, it's it's a lot of metaphors in Revelations, and right. it's a lot of. I mean, maybe not metaphors. I don't know. I mean, I guess. Well, yeah, uh, it the is. The seven meta- horsemen are coming. I mean, it, if I see them walk up, I mean, right. here we are. You know. Oh, so, yeah. Well, then we need to be uh, on the lookout. Luckily, we're about ten feet from the church. We're ten feet from the church, praying. so we're, we're quite safe where we are. <laughs> The uh, four horsemen of the, the oh, apocalypse. Oh, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The apocalypse, the seven, yes. There's seven something, right? Oh, there's the seven spirits oh, okay. uh, are at the beginning of Revelation. I guess that's why I say it's all symbol- symbolic, because there's numbers yes. and there's, there's you know, the, the actual being, the four horsemen, the horsemen meaning something. Oh, Louis, he's... Oh, Louis. Giving himself a little shake, huh? Yeah. Oh, here he comes sh- to give me a little loving. Yes. Um, He's but yeah, so smelly. what, 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 a delve into the eschatology a little bit. Eschatology. Um, okay. So Jesus came preaching the kingdom of heaven, that it was imminent, that it was about to occur. And the first followers of Jesus believed that, um, Louis, come here. Oh, he's deaf as well, you see, so he can't <laughs> He's hear. okay. I'm good with okay. him. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first followers of Jesus believed in the imminent return mm-hmm. of Christ in the rapture 
or the second coming, as yeah. it's sometimes called. Um, though after the first generation of, of follow the followers of Jesus, they realized that that wasn't happening quite that way. Because is it true that they were sort of like he'll be here any minute? Yes, <laughs> like yes, Saint couple Paul. of months from now he's showing up. Saint Paul in his early epistles, like mm-hmm. One Corinthians, and um, and c- certain of the other epistles. And here we are, two thousand years later, still uh, waiting. Still waiting. So. so Saint Paul, you see the development in his theology mm-hmm. from an immediate eschatology to a delayed eschatology and uh that's something that uh fundamentalists have terrible trouble with because uh saint paul changes his mind in his epistles and i guess you kind of get old and you're like well maybe jesus ain't coming right now right, right. so <laughs> but yeah i mean this is all it's exciting like i hope that everybody listening to this is is getting kind of like hype about it because i'm really ready for their questions I'm right. ready for those yeah. questions and that's that's something that these first few episodes haven't really had a lot of and that's because and that, we had to lay a foundation a little bit right. how will people get the questions to us will they write in or i think they... well jeff our co-executive producer jeff clark tosca is i think we're going to get them from facebook from, oh, from right, friends right. of saint thomas and maybe even oh. saint thomas the apostle oh, that'd be good on yes. facebook and, and maybe some other social medias too um but that being said, if you have a question and you have my email address or you are you have mm-hmm. my, you know, my Twitter handle, my IG, my Kyle L. Henderson is everything for mine. Send me the question here. We, and, you know, yep. if you have if you if you have a burning question, go to the go to St. Thomas, the Apostle Hollywood website. Yes. Father Ian Elliott Davis's uh, email addresses are right there. <laughs> yes. www.stthomashollywood.org. <laughs> So yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna make it very clear how to get these questions okay. to us at some point because this is the early infancy of this show. But I'm very excited to to delve into all that, and there's even more uh, theo- theological studies than you have on your rumination. List. Rumination. So I think that's that's a, that's great. That's, I can't wait. Thank you. Thank you. Well, all right. Well, we're going to go and get you ready for Mass. I need to get ready for Mass. So we'll see you on the next episode where we'll be talking about the theology of suffering. Suffering. Have a good day, guys. Theologically Speaking is a production of Church Nerds Media. Executive producers of the show are Jeffrey Clark Tosca, Father Ian Elliott Davis, and Kyle Leon Henderson. Associate producer is Ed Tosca. Theologically Speaking is mixed and edited by Kyle Leon Henderson. For more information about St. Thomas the Apostle Hollywood, visit our website at www.stthomashollywood.org. Follow us on Instagram at stthomashollywood or visit our Facebook page. If you love the show, don't forget to tell your friends, rate, and review our show. It helps even more people find us. And finally, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.